and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jake. And joining us today is Dr. Donna Sinclair. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. We've wanted to do this for a long time. We've been plugging this for like two months. I know. Scary. It's okay. I can, uh, <laughs> she bumps in the mic, rookie. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's cold in this room. We're recording this at KXRW, a little neutral place. It's mm-hmm. perfect. It is. It is. It's perfect nice. Perfect for me. Yeah. You're going to start coming here, right? Um, you have a class? We'll see. We'll see. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, okay. yes, we're going to do something here. Okay. Um, you're doing that. Do you have a specific oral history project like kind of set out for that class? We are going to take the audio that your class collected okay. and some of what my what I collected mm-hmm. along with Sarah Pugh mm-hmm. and edit it into some form of program. Oh, so we'll see what happens. So awesome. And we might good. we might be on the voices from our community. Mm. We're talking with Susan about how to work it out because I'm not going to start an entire new radio show. Why not? Because there's some well, there's some really great ones <laughs> and I don't have any I don't have the time yeah for yeah. sure it's super time consuming when we do to the republic it's chaos we always <laughs> think we have more time like every research yeah. project i think you and i ever did yes was you always think you have more time and then you realize oh my gosh research Dude. research takes a lot longer than i remember yeah even though i just did it yeah so it Ex- takes forever last <laughs> la- this episode we did for this month um Jake and Matt have been reading this book, How Democracies Die, and Jake was like, read here, read chapter five and read this article, and it felt like homework for the first time in a long time, and I was so into it. I was such a nerd <laughs> about it. I was like, thank you for that homework. That was great. That's a but good he book. didn't invite me to his book club, so that was cool. Well, if you, well, if you and Matt weren't feuding <laughs> so much. <laughs> We're not feuding that much, just a little bit. Um, Donna- hey, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Does he still listen? I have no idea. Who knows? I think he's mad at me right now, too. Oh, gosh. So, <laughs> uh, so Donna, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I should have thought of, like, questions that you made us do in class about introducing yourself, but I couldn't remember anything. So you can just open to talk about yourself, <laughs> and then I have some questions. What do you want to know? <sighs> oh, boy. You want to know where I come from? Yeah, all that. Uh, like, I mean, I can talk a lot. I know Jeff. you, you can. You know that. <laughs> I know you can, so that's why I want you to. Tell us about... Growing up here, where you grew up, when you moved, you you grew up in Vancouver, didn't you? That's just a, tell that's me. A good, just okay, tell I'll me. tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> so, um, so my family is from here mm-hmm. as far back as the 1850s. Oh, jeez. Wow. Um, from well, my great 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 grandmother came out here in the 1870s and joined her brother. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so, from where? Do you know where from? From Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I have a long term history in the area. Um, however, I was born in Oakland, California. Oh, my mother happened to be there for a very short time. Um, that's a long story. Uh-huh. She was 17 years old, mm-hmm. and she had actually run away. Mm. And um, I don't know if she wants me to tell this story <laughs> on <laughs> air. <laughs> it's her story, right? Right. Uh, but it's also my story. For sure. So, um, so she got pregnant. My mm-hmm. father was in the Navy. They mm-hmm. were in Bremerton, Washington, mm. and. Um, he shipped out and it was during an era when we didn't have communications like we do today. Right, so yeah. it made a really big difference. Was in that like the thirties? Our entire lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> how old I am, Jeff. <laughs> Smart Alec. <laughs> um, anyway, so mm-hmm. she, um, my grandmother threatened to go to hit her, his commanding officer uh-huh. and make him marry her. Oh, wow. And so my mother said, nobody is going to be made to marry me. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually did want to marry her, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they, 
it's a long story that I'm not going to get into here. You can interview me about yeah, it some yeah, other time. But, sure. um, but the short story is she ran away mm-hmm. when that was happening. And my mm. father had shipped out. Um, and she went to California and she was pregnant with me. Mm-hmm. Actually, first she went to the Grand Canyon. She met somebody <laughs> there. She married somebody so that I would not be illegitimate. Mm-hmm. It was 1964. That's wow. so crazy. Just that attitude. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. she didn't have a lot of choice. Yeah. My grandpa, before he died, talked a lot about that, like with um, just siblings who have had children out of wedlock and he's just like i'm before he died he's like i'm so glad you're married and i was like okay (laughs) like it's not that big of a deal so it's it's interesting yeah it really is and so i was born in oakland Mm -hmm. um she was only with him for about a year they started a restaurant together Mm -hmm. oh wow and uh, my mother's very entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. that's cool and um anyway long story short we ended up coming back here Mm -hmm. And I grew up here most of the time, mm-hmm. although I moved, lived in Long Beach, Washington. Um, Long Beach? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I lived in Long Beach for several years. My mother owned a restaurant there mm-hmm. at Chautauqua Lodge. Jeez. And fifth grade, fifth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. Okay. And then I came back here, and when I was 17, I met my father mm. for the first time. Right. And then we moved to Massachusetts for a year. Oh, jeez. With him. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So then I came back here. That is another long story, but <laughs> I came back here and um, and was here for about three weeks, met my ex-husband, mm-hmm. married him within a year, mm-hmm. and then I became an army wife. Mm. And so I was gone for six years. Oh, wow. And we lived in Germany, upstate New York, and Virginia. Wow. That's a lot of travel. That is a lot of traveling. It's Just interesting, though, that you moved to, your family came from Massachusetts, and then you moved back there for like a year. Well, That's that my father was from there. I didn't know... I didn't know him. I didn't have any contact with him okay. until uh, at 16 years old. My mother had said, if you ever want to contact him, here's his parents' name and address, which she just happened to remember because she has a really great memory for numbers. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got the phone number from directory assistance and tried to call them when I was 16. Mm. And nobody answered. And so I shoved the phone number in the bottom of my purse. Didn't think more. I really didn't think about it very mm-hmm. much. And then one day I was home alone and I was cleaning my purse out and I thought, Hey, I should try that again. And my grandmother answered. That's so crazy. And said, your father is looking for you. Mm. And he's planning on coming out there this summer. And this is when I was a junior in high school. Okay. Just before my 17th birthday. So he and my mother started talking on the phone after that. Mm -hmm. And um, they hit it off again. And that's how we ended up in Massachusetts. It was very weird because I'd never had parents (laughs) who were together. Right, right. So he got off the plane. And I didn't really know that this romantic thing was going on Mm -hmm. with them until he got off the plane and they started holding hands. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is really weird. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of weird because I kind of look like him and I have a lot of characteristics like him. And um, anyway, so then we moved. uh, We moved there. And I mean, there's a lot to this story. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's but, kind of, and I came back here when when my ex husband got out of the army. Mm-hmm. We decided to he could have either gone to Hawaii, which would have meant a fine five year enlistment, mm-hmm. or he could get out. I wanted to go to Hawaii, but he was the one who was in the army, mm, right. so he got to decide. Yeah, mm. you know, it's not really fair to say you should continue to be a soldier, <laughs> even though so it was the peacetime army at the time. Yeah, I like being an army wife. I mean, mm-hmm. it was actually there were some really great things about it. Yeah, um, I don't think I would have liked it ten years later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that would have been a lot more difficult. Yeah, probably. yeah it was really all peacetime, and and so it yeah. was, you know, there were there were really positive things about it, and mm-hmm, some not mm-hmm. so positive things about it. So you're probably surprised to hear I'm an army wife, huh, Jake? Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then we came back here yeah. and... Uh, the short story is like I can tell a short story, yeah. right? Just saying like, that. Come on, yeah. <laughs> but it's a long. I'm getting story older. Ever. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> um, so the short story is really mm-hmm. that we came back here, and while we were in upstate New York, my ex-husband had been working on weekends uh, mm-hmm. fixing medical equipment. Okay. So he went to work for American Medical. We stayed with his parents for about three months, and then we were able to buy a house with some help from my grandfather. And um, and with some help from my in-laws who mm-hmm. let us stay there and save money. Right. And while we were there, I got pregnant with our third child. Mm-hmm. And he was born um, after we moved into the house that I still own. Mm-hmm. That's near Dairy Queen in the Heights. And then that was 1989. In 1992, uh, my husband and I split up. Mm-hmm. And I went back to school mm. at WSU Vancouver. You went straight to WSU? Well, I was actually already planning on going to WSU. Okay. So the way that it worked was I had finished Clark in 1992. So it took me 10 years to finish Clark. Because I went for a AA? while. I did an AA, okay. yeah. Um, and I had planned to go to WSU. And both of us, I said to my, my ex-husband, I was like, okay, let's both apply for financial aid. And whichever one of us gets it, because it wasn't, you didn't get it so automatically as you mm-hmm. do now. Right. Um, whoever gets it, then that person can go to school. I'll support you going to school mm-hmm. and, you know, or I'll go to school. And I would take one or two classes at a time. Right. And I waited tables at night. Yeah. And so um, he didn't apply because I usually helped him with his paperwork. So I just did my paperwork. <laughs> I didn't do any and of it. Jen did it all Jen for did me. It, yeah. I had no clue. I was like, I don't even know where to start. And she's like, I got this. I figured by the time, you know, he was, he wasn't done with his AA, but mm-hmm. um, I had been really supportive of that mm-hmm. and I always was, but right. I wanted to go to WSU and I was going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I applied and then um, right around that time we split up. Mm-hmm. And so I had a really, really rough summer. It wasn't mm-hmm. my idea to split up with three little kids right. who were three, four and eight years old. Yeah. Oof. And um, I started school in the fall of 1993. Mm. I believe it was, yeah, it was 93. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Walked into Pacific Northwest History with Bill Lang, mm. and the rest is history. <laughs> was it the same location at that that time? That campus was not open. So that was at Clark then. Yeah, Bower Hall, that's right? Crazy. That's where, yep. That's yeah, where it was it, at Bower Hall. Yeah, I think that's where Dr. Peabody first started teaching. Those oh, really? Was. She and um, I shared an office. Oh, really? Oh, well, it wow. wasn't my office; it was right. Jackie oh, okay. Peterson's <laughs> office. But <laughs> but I worked for Jackie. Hmm. That's oh, how wow. I, so I met I met uh, Sue Peabody when she came immediately. Wow! Wow! So. That is crazy. Yeah, it was a long time ago, yeah. too. So I went to school there, and then I ultimately went to graduate school at PSU mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, forever until 2015. That's <laughs> <laughs> Forever? Forever. It feels like forever. That's yeah. what I'm worried about. Uh, Jake and I have been talking, doing master's. I'm going to do master's in communications, and I'm worried about taking too long. But we'll see. Well, okay, you're not going to take too long, though, because you're still young. In fact, you're younger than I was when I went back to WSU. Yeah, maybe. So a master's <laughs> degree. No, you are. I, I know, think. but I want to get it done. I want to get it done so that I can start working in communications. Right. That's so what that's, everybody says. They yeah. want to get it done. But if you don't do it, then yeah. you won't get it done. <laughs> or my app's due <laughs> on point. April 15th. So I'm mostly concerned with writing the letter. I have to write letter of intent. So. Get started, probably, get started on that early, man. I'll be fine. I just finished mine. It's I'll wait till midnight the night before mm, and I'll crush it. <laughs> all right, man. I don't know. I thought I crushed it and I sent mine to Dr. Lopez to have it like edited. Yeah. Dude, I don't think I've had that much critique on a piece of my writing. Ever? Ever. Really? <laughs> which is good, though. Oh, which is yeah, good, that is but great. But he's like, no, you need, like, this is what you need to say. This is what you need to say. Yeah. This is what you need to say. Change this, change this. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'll yeah, get it I, done. 
but I agree. I, give yourself time. Okay, I'll send it give to yourself you. time. Yeah, I'm happy to look at it. I'm happy to look at it, although I'm not a communications person. That's the other yeah. thing is talk to somebody, too. I'm happy to I look need at to. it. Yeah. Um, but if you want to, the, the best thing you can do is actually mm, get some assistance. It's different. What, you haven't been critiqued like that because you've basically done like drafts, the basically drafts mm-hmm. of writing yeah. that were papers that weren't going to be published. But when you get published or when you're applying for something yeah. really important, you mm-hmm. want to make sure that you're... Um, everybody you know just picks it apart. Yeah, that's and it'll point. be better for it. That's no, I, I I was reading through all of it. and It's like that's gonna all of this is gonna make make me better. For so sure. I'm not offended by any means. Did you like read through it at some points and just be like, oh duh? Yeah, yeah. There was one. There was one moment <laughs> I was like, oh, what was I thinking? Almost but, embarrassed that you said yeah. it to him. You're like, mm-hmm. I should have done more. Well, a lot of it was like mechanical stuff too. Oh. Like I should have like stuff I should have known better. That on. stuff drives me crazy. Yeah, but you didn't let me read it. Do you want to read it? No, I okay, don't I didn't think you it. want to. You had so much to do. <laughs> I do. Which I program do. are you applying for? Um, American University. It's um, their international relations uh, master's degree, with and then the focus is on U.S. foreign policy and national security. That's great. I hope. Hopefully, I get in. I mean, it sounds. You'll be all right. Like something I would Crush. enjoy. Yeah. I don't know. It's something I'd enjoy. I think you'd excel at it, Jay. A lot yeah, of others. A lot of other smart people applying. So. Yeah, but not the smartest person I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I agree with Dr. Lopez that you are PhD material. Mm -hmm. So if if, if this doesn't, I mean, hopefully you'll get in. But if you don't, don't stop. No, I I don't plan to. I just, because this one starts in May, I'm throwing all my eggs into the basket right now. And then I'll fuck. If it doesn't get in, this doesn't work. I'm going to look at something else. Yeah. Look at other stuff. I would rather not move. Matt wants yeah. to do the same degree, but he wants to go to Corbell in Denver, mm. and I just didn't don't you look there. Uh, yeah, I just don't have the means to yeah, up no. and move. I mean, I will if there's no other option. But mm-hmm. if there's this program where I can, because I can become a resident student. The one thing that's nice about um, American is I let you be they let you be go into residency at any time. Mm-hmm. So my plan is to do a year while I'm getting my affairs in order to be able to up okay. and move to DC, and so I can have a get my first year done through online and then do the second year in residency mm. so i think if you're going to go into that field you have to be in dc or at least on the eastern yeah. eastern seaboard because there's just that's just where all the jobs are for sure so that's what worries me about the communications is like there's probably aspects of it you have to do in person um but it's an all online program mm-hmm. so we'll see what university is it washington state oh it's through wsu oh okay mm-hmm. that's it's, great uh, Wait, Masters of Strategic Communications online. So, but the thing is, is it doesn't transfer to a doctorate. Mm. So that's something I've been kind of thinking about also. What do you mean? It's a terminal degree. Yeah. Okay. And it's just, there's no dissertation. There's no, um, you don't have to take the GRE. You don't have to do any of that to get into it. And then it all just like... The whole, all the whole, all the courses culminate into like, a, um, what is the term? Like a lot of these sciences come up with a not a portfolio, but um, I can't think of the term right now. But uh, basically, just an a end project that you need to present and have material for. Essentially, a portfolio, but I can't think of the name um, of what it's called. Well, what what do you want to do when you're done? I want to work for the government, but nobody's hiring me. <laughs> They're probably listening to my podcast. I've been thinking about you, Jeff, because I applied for a couple of jobs, mm-hmm. and it's hard. Yeah, just send me those jobs. It's really, it's really hard. No, I mean it's. Um, yeah, it's the worst. I'm going crazy, but 
I've kind of settled into where I am now. Um, my boss is amazing. I've said all this a million times. Um, and I'm doing okay. The only part of it that sucks is graveyard, but I'm doing okay. And if time is passing by anyways, maybe I'll take a class or two for the masters. Um, and then hopefully just passively, I'm kind of, I say passively, but I'm up looking every day for a job, but I'm also, I was looking within like a three hour radius of Portland. Um, but now I'm kind of just looking at home. Well, if you want to do communications with the federal government, then mm -hmm. there's the um, USA Jobs. I imagine you look yeah, at I that. Yeah, I looked on there. Yeah. But they're, the federal government's not hiring right now. Yeah. Mm -mm. So this is not a good time to get a... But it's a good time to get a master's so that yeah. that when we hopefully <laughs> yeah. flip things, God the federal willing. government <laughs> is hiring again. We're not going to. But really, communications like public relations, mm -hmm. I think that would be That's, a really great... A really great um, you could go into so many different That's things. That's what I want to do. It'd yeah. be so fun. I know I would crush it, but nobody wants to hire me. And that's another thing is like, not that I make great money right now, but I don't like looking at some of these kind of lower communications jobs, it would require me to take a hit. Yeah. And there's, as you both know, a ton of personal stuff that I'm going through. So it's me weighing the options of taking that hit or going to get my master's and then coming out, being able to not take that hit and, Life is hard. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, capstone project portfolio—that's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. A lot of like, uh, like I know in the computer sciences they do capstone projects with their bachelors, um, which is interesting that we didn't have to do that. I you, mean, your senior sem seminar really is kind of a capstone project. It is, but it's not community service or anything like that. At it Portland was State, way easier that, than I thought it was going to be. Looking back, I think it just happened to be who was teaching that <laughs> who's, who's <laughs> teaching it dr wong oh okay oh that's right that's right i remember that when he took over for dr fountain last second mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. he wasn't i mean to his credit he did a really good job for what little time i think he had to prepare for it mm -hmm. and then because he was using dr fountain syllabus right so we would ask him questions about to, for clarification and he'd be like well just go off what the syllabus says and it would just be like well our question is about the clarification of the syllabus yeah and so it I was a little that would I remember you complaining, Jeff. It was the worst. <laughs> I'm panicking. I'm like, I just want some clarity. But also, I mean, we both took, uh, you know, not that it's like this high level course, but we both took uh, teaching social studies and that professor just pounded in our heads. Clarity. Say what you mean. You have to be clear with students or they're not going to succeed. So then we take this class after that and we're just like, I have no idea what's going on. So then I just started turning everything late. Yeah, you weren't going to turn in something. And I, dude, I was on you for like a month <laughs> to get that thing turned in. I wasn't going to turn it, it in. Because it said in the syllabus, if anything is not turned in, you get an automatic F in the course. I didn't see. I'm sure he didn't see that. Were you, were you willing <laughs> to bet that? Were you willing to bet on that? No, because I turned it in. <laughs> exactly, because you weren't going to, and I made you write out an entire outline. I remember after uh, history yeah. club, you were panic. Well, you and I were both panicking, and then I said, I said, dude, just list everything you have to do out, no matter what the due date was, just mm -hmm. list it out. And once you see it, you can start in your mind planning. Right. And once you did that, that saved my life. But you, that you that wasn't the in. assignment. The assignment I think was an outline, but I had already started writing my paper, so I already had an outline. So I just turn oh, something okay. in but what you were talking about was me panicking as far as i didn't know what step to take next and that always seems to be organization is sometimes an issue for me i wish i could be better at 
we'll get to that. Um, uh, but you were like, just write it out on a list, put it in somewhere, some place that you see every day, and then as you get things done, just mark it off. And I thought that was so corny. I was like, I'm not doing that. So then, of course, I go home and I do it. And I put it right next to my bedroom door, um, which on the outside of my bedroom door is my computer. And as how it, I can't explain how satisfying it was just crossing something off. Oh, I know, because I like lists. Oh, it yeah. was just mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? This feels so good. And I just kept doing it. Something my mom taught me to do. Dude. My mom loves checking things off the mm-hmm. list. And she's like, so that's what I had. So I, I just picked that up. I should do it. I haven't done it since. I should do you it. You do it in a lot of like in your life. Yeah, <laughs> I should. I really should. Well, my phone is really messing me up because I'm using the mm. phone calendar now. Oh, and yeah. so I'm not doing that. And I bought a little notebook. Uh, for my mother's house because I thought I need to sit down and look at my weeks and Mm -hmm. look ahead because I'm starting to confuse myself because I have so many things going on Mm -hmm. and I'm not doing that. So I'll write lists on the back of envelopes and check half of them off, Uh, but I don't, I need it all in one place uh, to go back to doing it the hard copy way. Yeah. Having hard copy and tangible lists is nice, but I I do use my phone a lot. (laughs) That's what I use my phone for is in my calendar. All my calendars are synced. So that I can see what's coming up. And I like even for meeting you t- today, I was like, I need a notification a week from now and three days from now <laughs> and then two hours from now. So that I'm constantly being, OK, that's coming up. That's coming up. But mm. it's a pain. That's clever. I don't do notifications. That might help. Oh, you <laughs> have to. You have to. OK, so my some questions about I want I'm curious okay. because you were our teacher. You are a professor. OK, so I'm, I want to know why did you want to teach? Because that's something that Jake and I went in initially thinking we wanted to do. Um, and then I, I want to know at what point you were like, okay, history is, is what I want to do. Okay, that's yeah. easy. Yeah. So why did I want to teach? First of all, I thought I was going into the master's in teaching program at mm-hmm. WSU. So did we. Because I had, well, I had three children at home and I was married. Yeah. And when I went to register, I was told that if I wanted to get into that program, I should be an English major. And not a history major. Yeah, they don't say that anymore. But at the time, remember, this was 1991 mm-hmm. when I was applying, or what, 91 or 92. That's weird. And uh, most of the people, well, they didn't have very many degrees. Oh, and okay, so okay. history was relatively new there. All of it was actually relatively new. And so I said, and it's funny because I'm always, I'm a lot like you, Jeff, I'm just, I'm confident. I was like, no, I'll do fine <laughs> in history and I'll still get in the program. That was my attitude. I was not confident when I went to history. We've well, talked about yeah. this before. You helped, yeah. but with some things. But I, I knew do. history was what I right. wanted to do. And I'm not sure how I knew, except that when I was a kid, I I read a lot of historical fiction. Mm. I read histories. I read things like Strawberry Girl mm-hmm. and, um, you know, all of, I can't even think of all the names of the books. I read Marjorie Morningstar. Um, I would read really books that probably most kids wouldn't. All the Little House on the Prairie books, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read other kinds of historical fiction. And then... When I got older and uh, I was an army wife, I moved to Germany and I was reading, I, I was, at that time, I think I was reading about South Africa. I thought I should read some South African literature. So mm-hmm. I did that, even though I wasn't in college at the time. Um, but then in upstate New York, I remember having a real British history kick that mm. I was on. So I know a lot about the Queens mm-hmm. um, okay. because I, I was having babies. So I would be nursing my babies and reading. That's what I did. <laughs> I spent a lot of time. I had three kids. And so that's what I did. And um, so I loved history. And I didn't have a history major at Clark because 
well, I, I only took three classes in history there. What'd you get your AA in? I got my arts and sciences, okay. but my major was kind of a contrived major. It was mm-hmm. like a uh, child and family, something or other. Mm-hmm. So, and I did that because I had a class that I could take with my kids that mm-hmm. was a preschool, a parent education preschool. Oh, so yeah, I could yeah, take yeah. one science class and then get one credit for a parent ed preschool and have six credits, which um, made me uh, eligible for financial aid. Right, right. So that was how I could get financial aid. Mm-hmm. And oh, it was sure. good to take the kids to the preschool and you had to participate one day a week and mm-hmm. then you had to do this meeting once a month, a parental meeting. So that's what okay. I did. And then I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I'd always kind of wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. I thought I'd be a Spanish teacher actually mm. and in high school. Mm-hmm. And then my life kind of you know went in different directions mm-hmm. as lives do. And um, I went to WSU still thinking I was going to be a teacher and in that meeting. And then I went to WSU and my very first professor was Bill Lang, Dr. Mm -hmm. Bill Lang. And that was he taught Pacific Northwest history. Mm -hmm. So I remember meeting him the first day at WSU Vancouver. Um, But I took every class I could with him. And one day as I was walking, he was in class. He talked about public history. And I said, well, what's that? And I walked up to him after after class mm-hmm. and he told me about all the different things you could do in public history from, you know, um, historical journals to museums to um, what you're doing, what you guys are doing on To the Republic, which mm-hmm. I think is really awesome. Mm-hmm. And Thank so um, and so I just kind of got this idea. Maybe I don't want to be a school teacher mm-hmm. and, and, you know, a public school teacher. Right. And so I started working at WSU for Jackie Peterson, and I helped mm-hmm. her organize the American Society for Ethnohistory Conference. I also worked for the humanities department and got some administrative skills, which I had always, always avoided. So as a female yeah. growing up in the 19, late 70s mm-hmm. and early 80s, I did not want to know how to type. I mean, I knew how to type, but I didn't, I didn't want to know how to do any of it. I didn't right. want to know how to use computers or anything because I was afraid I would get pigeonholed. So oh, yeah, for sure. I used to say to my, I used to say, well, I just want to be the boss. And so. <laughs> okay, maybe we are alike. <laughs> we are alike. I know. I just want to run there this There are characteristics place. on both of you, yeah. with both of you. Like I get really worked up like Jay. Yeah, but just as much as I need to. Yeah, that's <laughs> just right. As much as you need to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so anyway, so I I um, where was I with that? Not wanting to type. Didn't want to type. Yeah. You so I the then show. I realized, hey, I better get some skills. Yeah. So um, so I started taking like I worked in the humanities department, worked for Jackie Peterson, mm-hmm. and then I graduated from WSUV and uh, was working in the education department, mm-hmm. doing administrative stuff at oh, WSU. Wow. And I wanted to go to graduate school. I had been accepted into PSU, mm-hmm. but I didn't get any funding. And oh, I was mm. a single mom. I was there. I wasn't going right. to school without funding. And yeah. then I ran into Bill Lang at a conference at the at that ethno history conference mm-hmm. and he said hey you're doing public history stuff mm-hmm. why don't you come to the i have i have an opportunity for you and so he gave me the opportunity wow. to do the work that i'm doing um he had a fellowship at the center for columbia river history oh, and wow. if it hadn't been for that and then he really probably for the next 10 years helped me get pretty much every job i had wow he would just kind of say hey, there's this opportunity. Uh, would you want to do this? And so he, right. he, I got a lot of experience because of him. Yeah. And That's he crazy. threw me into things. I had That's no great. idea what I was doing. And he said, you know, I figured either sink or swim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he knew I'd swim. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. it worked fine. Hmm. Uh, but if it weren't for him, I would, I'm not sure what I would be doing. So you do, because people don't know, but you do a lot. You work in public history. Yeah, That's I work in public do. history. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, are you working on anything now? I am. What are you? I am currently. uh, You may remember, maybe when 
Maybe not. Um, I've been working on the social history of Vancouver Barracks for a long time, okay, for about yeah. the past three years. Yeah. And I finished writing a draft of it. We've had uh, just, I've had a lot of stuff going on personally, mm -hmm, so it's made it mm -hmm. really tough to complete it. For sure. But I finished the draft and I'm currently working on entering the revisions. I'm mm -hmm. revising things and I'm meeting with the Park Service tomorrow to talk mm -hmm. about some of the issues that they have with some things and mm. kind of come to some agreement on things. So speaking of making a better product, I'm telling myself, I'm alternately saying to myself, hey, that's a really good good word, better word than I use. Yes. Man, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, so that's happening all the way along and it's over 500 pages long. So Jeez. it's just taking oh forever. Um, <laughs> but it, when it's done, it will be done by March 31st because our contract ends. So we've, oh. we're on a really huge deadline yeah. for this. So I'm working Jeez. on that and um, and I'm looking for a job. That's I, I've decided I actually need one, kind of. Yeah. And I finished, oh, I also finished uh, the book that I'm writing with Gloria Brown, the first African-American woman who, female forest supervisor mm -hmm. in the country. Right. She, wow. She's the first black woman in the entire country to manage a national forest, and she that was in 1999. So um, I helped her wow. write her memoir. I met her, one of my students interviewed her, and I listened to the interview, and I was blown away. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, I finished, I was working on that sort of topic of women and minorities for my dissertation. And uh, while I was doing that, a friend of mine went to a party and ran into a woman who was Gloria, who I already had known. I knew her voice. I knew her story. Um, she ran into her and got me her contact information. So I interviewed her again, I think twice. And I said to her, you know, you have such an amazing story. You should write a book. And then... Um, Eventually, I helped her write the book, and we, well, we got a contract with Oregon wow. State University Press, and we finished that in November, beginning of November, mm -hmm. and we just got we got reviews back for that. But I have to wait until this is done before I address that, mm -hmm. and that will be published next year, probably in February. And I mean, I'm a co-author, um, but all the public appearances and things will be glorious, right? So, okay. which is fine because it's her story for sure. So I just helped her to get it out there. Sure. What's the book titled? We're working on that. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. We. Yeah. What. What is it now? Uh, yeah. I can't. I can't think. We, we go round and round. We've had some <laughs> really boring titles. I hate naming. Crap. Titles are hard. Bill Lang was a whiz at titles. I In hate fact, it. if I can't get one, I'm just going to run it by him. Right. Um, he just comes up with titles like you wouldn't believe. So some of the other work I've done for the Park Service, mm -hmm. those are those titles are bills like the waking of a military mm -hmm. town. That's a pretty good title. That yeah. is really yeah. good. See, I, I, I've known you d do work in like the parks, like as far as research and park service and stuff. That stuff is so interesting to me, but I don't ever read on it, ever. That's okay. But I should, because it sounds super interesting. I know sometimes when I see like park service jobs, I'm like, I kind of want to do that. But some they're of good. Jobs, they're good government jobs. I know, jobs. but <laughs> some of them are like ranger, and I think a ranger would be so fun, but... That's, they don't pay very much for rangers. Well, entry level is not going to pay yeah. very well again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where having the master's I just want to come in help. and be the boss. Well, you can't do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> you have to work your way up to boss bosshood. Right. Was that interview from our history project, oral history project for the class? No. No, oh, that okay. was from one I taught at Portland State for many years called oh, Voices okay. from the Forest. Okay. That sounds so awesome, though. And that happened. I did a project where we interviewed um, former Forest Service workers from the 1920s through the 1960s. Mm -hmm. We had one year that we devoted to the Civilian Conservation Corps. Mm -hmm. And then um, that project kind of ended for about a year. And then someone came to us from the Workforce Diversity Council at the Forest Service. Mm -hmm. Now, who would associate the workfor a workforce diversity 
council with the Forest Service in the first place. Um, that was my thinking because mm -hmm. I actually had done a lot of research on the Forest Service and understood this 100-year-old agency at the time. This was in 2004 or five okay. that this happened. Um, and I had no idea. So I'd interviewed all these people, people who worked in the National Forest in the 1920s, all men. Wow. Um, this was, it's a very male organization yeah, yeah. and always had been. And then all of a sudden I find out there's this Workforce Diversity Council. And I started listening to interviews with people who had been working in the agency since the 60s. Mm -hmm. And that's when I became interested in uh, the idea of representative bureaucracy. Okay. Uh, which I find just fascinating. The idea that the administrative arm of government... Um, should be representative. And so when I think of a representative democracy, mm -hmm. the idea is that we would have, you know, representation um, of all the people, right? Right. Um, a, a representative bureaucracy, concept. isn't it? I know. <laughs> yeah. The idea that when you go into a, say, a federal agency, if it's an all-white male staff, it's not representative, right? If half of the population is female and 30% of the population are people of color, mm -hmm. um, what difference does it make if those people actually work mm. in those that agency? That's yeah. kind of was kind of my guiding question. Right. So does it make a difference? It does. That's that's the short that's How the short story that? there. Uh, it's it's tough to test. Yeah. There's a couple of examples that I have that are very specific and mm -hmm. concrete. So one was interviewing someone who was um, a person who has multiple sclerosis mm -hmm. and was in a wheelchair. Okay. So she literally went out on the ground with other people and um, they put together trails in a park mm -hmm. and the trails were wheelchair friendly. They okay. couldn't do wow. that without someone like her. They wouldn't think of it without right. someone like her. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, understanding the African-American experience in the woods and in the outdoors. Um, I found that a lot of African-Americans in leadership were more likely to um, get African-American students, for example, to come to the National Forest to provide opportunities for them. Um, that African-Americans in natural resources are really unusual, but with the right kinds of programs, they don't have to be unusual. Gotcha. So you're testing involvement in these programs under leadership of that would be representative of that demographic to see if, if, if representative bureaucracy was, would work to, to some degree I mean the idea the thing is we actually have we're supposed to have a representative bureaucracy I mean mm -hmm. that's actually part of um, some of the legislation in the 1960s under Lyndon Johnson he okay. talks about it sure. um, so I don't I'm not testing because I'm a historian yeah, right so sure. it's a qualitative okay. study right. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know it's not the same as if I set up a study to actually yeah. test this okay. that would be that would be interesting mm -hmm. too um, if I were to come up with some sort right. of instrument to do that, some sort of survey instrument. I was interested in the people's stories. What okay. does it mean to someone who is, well, I mean, I'll tell you Gloria's story, and everybody should read the book when it comes out. Um, just briefly, Gloria was uh, 30 years old in 1980, and she had three children. She was married. Um, she's an African-American woman from Washington, D.C. She worked for the U.S. Forest Service mm -hmm. in the communications office. So she was basically a receptionist, answered the phone, information, things like that. And uh, she was going to school because she wanted to be a TV journalist. Hmm. And she was going to school, and her husband came to pick her up on a really horribly rainy night. And uh, he got they got hit by a drunk driver, and her husband was killed. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. So Gloria, um, you know, was working 
as a low-level employee in the agency. Mm -hmm. And she and her family had to move into a different neighborhood in Maryland Mm -hmm. um, and a pretty low-class neighborhood, um, whereas her husband had been the major breadwinner. And so she basically, the question she asked herself was, how do I move up in this agency? Mm -hmm. And so the book is partly about how she did that, and it's partly about her personal journey. Um, Her first duty station outside of D.C., was Missoula, Montana, mm-hmm. a population of 1% African Americans <laughs> I was gonna in say, Missoula, Montana. She's got to be in the yes. vast minority there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. She, she's, she jokes that her kids doubled the black population <laughs> in the school. <laughs> That's so great. there's got to be some yeah. truth to that, yeah. though. I mean, oh, yeah. 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 So imagine what that experience is like being mm-hmm. an urban female African American woman going into the Forest Service in Missoula, Montana, and she was in public relations. Mm-hmm. So, or public affairs, they call it, right. which is actually something I've thought of too, because mm-hmm. it's the job that sounds most appealing yes. and interesting to me in, so in the Forest Service. Um, so that's the short story of, right. I mean, I, you have to read the book to find out yeah. more, okay. but sounds basically she ends awesome. up on the Sayusla National Forest by the time, by 1999, as mm-hmm. a forest supervisor. Wow. Um, she faced a lot of challenges I along the way. That. I would imagine, especially yeah. in that time period. Yeah. Hmm. So that's one of the things I'll be going back to that when I finish these revisions. Right. In the meantime, I'm applying for some jobs um, and thinking about I thought about being a ghostwriter. Be pretty fun. I might do that for somebody, actually. Yeah. Uh, some Dimitri, the guy I do knuckle draggers with. He's got some amazing ideas for like more fiction but like comic book characters and stuff. And I was like, you should write a book about this stuff. He's like, I can't write. And I was like, I'll write it. Because I love to write, so we might do something. What exactly is ghostwriting? It's when somebody else is, or no, no. Technically, it it's what be it's a what uh, Trump did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Only had yeah. done, had yeah. done. He didn't write his own book. Well, I know. Yeah, he yeah, told okay. his story to somebody, and, and a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of people. People are actually touted as the author, but they had to pay somebody to write it for them. Yeah. Okay. So Gloria didn't pay me. I offered to do this mm-hmm. and um, it took a lot of time. So oh, yeah, I learned, I so I actually tracked how much time about, I think by the time I got to the fourth chapter, I was like, I should be tracking this. So I know what this takes for me, mm-hmm. um, how much time it takes. And so um, we spent a couple, some intensive time together. Like she had a house at the beach. We spent some time together there. We drove and interviewed some other people mm-hmm. um, and we got to know each other really well. And I interviewed her. And so it was an interesting process. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yeah. So I'd have to be paid pretty well to do it, but yeah. it would be it would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I have this weird ability to get inside people's heads mm-hmm. and mimic mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what I did. You know, she said to me once, um, "It's like you were a black woman in a past life," uh, because <laughs> because I knew her voice, right, like I'd known right. her voice for mm-hmm. so long, that's so awesome, and her experience. I so, read that. Um, so it was, or maybe it was just like that. I could do that with Gloria. I right, don't know. Right. I like what you were saying as far as like the representation of different um, communities in in the government, but in anything, really. I think that that's something um, that history has taught me, um, studying history, but also I'm, I'm thinking more specifically like oral history. And when I was there, when you were doing the oral history with David, um, who, you know, is a member of the deaf community, and, you know, then we started thinking about accommodations for events and accommodations for the the um what is it, exhibit and stuff i mean we thought about it for the first exhibit that we created but i just think about like how much or how many times do certain communities or or people get forgotten just because there's no exposure to them or or interaction to th- with them or you know what i'm saying absolutely like there's no i don't know anybody who's 
<laughs> I don't know anybody who's Mexican, so I mean, I why wouldn't I be for the wall? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know who we don't know. Right. And we don't know what we're not thinking of right. if we don't know someone. Absolutely. And so th- one of the things that the Forest Service talked about was the uh, idea of diversity of thought. Okay. And so people coming into um, a workplace and having different experiences. Now, mm-hmm. now, if you think about college, for example, and this all ties into things like affirmative action, right? right? Mm-hmm. If you think about the way that they choose people in colleges, they actually try to get geographic diversity. Mm. Did you know that? I did not. No. Yeah, it's actually part of the selection process. Okay. Um, so um, it's also, they are also things like, um, you know, special dispensations for the children of alumni, right? Mm. Maybe not WSU so yeah, much, yeah. Um, but in most universities around the country, mm-hmm. there are a lot of considerations other than race mm-hmm. or other than your SAT scores mm-hmm. for okay. getting into colleges. So they actually read those essays we submit? I don't know. (laughs) Yes, actually, they do. They do, especially when you're, um, I know people who have been on, um, you know, committees trying to determine who to let into Mm -hmm. a graduate program. Right. And so they read them and they discuss them and decide who's going to be there. Right. But yeah, the diversity, the diversity, well, it it really is. I mean, I'm I'm experiencing this, you know, when you hand over your writing, for Mm -hmm. example, Mm -hmm. to somebody, you're really vulnerable. Oh, yeah. And so I'm experiencing this right now because there's, you know, I've got this like, like I have hundreds of pages of feedback. Like I literally hundreds of changes. Mm -hmm. I've told you since day one, I hate peer review. That's why. I don't want anyone else to read it because it's already right. Don't question me on the box. But, it, but it's not. <laughs> but it's not. I know that. And then in the long run, it's better. So right. that's why, you know, in History 300, I would tell you guys, like, hey, you just have to put your ego aside. As long as people, as long yeah. as the person grading yours puts as much effort as you put into theirs. theirs. Yeah. I ran into that in 469. Yeah, you I did. had st- whoever graded mine, like, gave me nothing to yeah. work off I think of, so. we read through yours mm-hmm. because you're like, I'm getting nothing from this. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think that comes from for me as far as like, uh, it's not creativity. Obviously, I'm constructing something that that I needed to make an argument in. Um, but playing in bands and playing music and stuff—that's just me with my friends collaboratively working on something and then putting it out there. And if you like it, even with the podcast, we don't really we we also don't get much feedback unless it's you judging us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I'm just, I'm just weighing in. I'm no, thinking, I love God, it. I wish we I could be there it. for that conversation. That's no, what kidding. happens for me. We should just do a follow-up episode with Donna every week <laughs> where we talk <laughs> about what we talked about. Um, but, you know, p- putting the podcast or music out there, it's like we're doing what we want, so I don't care what anybody else says. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I think that that's where my attitude with peer review comes. But obviously right. it doesn't work in, a, in an academic environment or, or if you're trying to create something that is factual, I guess. Um, I mean, we kind of get to choose with To the Republic as well, but we do put a lot of work into that because we know it's going to a public sphere of anyone who... We want to sound credible. Yeah, for we sure. Wanna, we want to be known as a guy that makes everything up. I know. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, by the way, yeah. I really like To the Republic. Okay. Um, I'm enjoying listening to it. I'm not, I'm not listening to it every time because I'm kind of backlogged on mm-hmm. the podcast. That's so okay. I just kind of listen to whatever comes up. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, I'm going to listen to this one. Although mm-hmm. I'm listening to last week's now. Because Episode. because a lot of times you guys are talking about really relevant issues. Right. So it's kind of like, um, have you ever heard of the political show, The Circus? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a fun one. Is, um, it, the tr- is it the Trump administration? 
No, it's it's been on actually. It's actually yeah, it is it definitely. It's been on. It's only a half hour show, uh, uh-huh. and my husband watches it. And it's a TV show. It's a TV show, oh, but it's a okay. TV like news journalist show. There's like three people: these two men and this woman, and they go out and talk to politicians. And okay. I'm not even sure where they come from, uh, but somehow they have these ins with everybody, mm-hmm. so they can talk to pretty much anybody they want to. Wow. And oh, then they geez. put a show together. Um, on basically on the week. I mean, any day can be a circus these days. Oh, yeah. Right. And Gosh. so, um, so it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. I pray for the days of the boring Obama administration to return <laughs> when nothing <laughs> would really they, happen. Jake and I were kind of just like, we just keep talking about Trump. Like it, it kind of. I heard got, you say that last yeah. time. You were like, "Hey, we should talk about something else yeah. besides Trump." Yeah. It's kind of hard not it to. It is hard not to, but I mean, maybe that's by design, but. It's like we don't want to be repetitive and continuously. That's why guests. You don't have to worry about that because um, he does new things every week for you to comment on. And it's a and it's a wide variety of things to talk about. All kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're gonna try to do more (laughs) guests. I think just because it changes it up a little bit, and Mm -hmm. we get to. I mean, you have expertise or ideas on things that. That's another thing is women. It's just two dudes talking all the time. We want more women. Like when Megan joins us, we love it because. She has brought point of views as far as from a woman's standpoint or, or, or even representing the women in a podcast. That's what I want. I want diversity in the podcast. But um, Well, that makes me think of the time travel stuff you guys were talking about, which I – so you, you sent me some questions. And uh-huh. one of them was um, about what I might be interested in that is – what was that? Uh, that might have seem them right here. Uh, the, last, the very the last very question. The very last question. Yeah. Oh, you want to start with that question? Yeah, start with that okay, question because it kind of plays into what you were, right, what you right. were doing. So what are you interested in that most people haven't heard of? Oh, that people haven't heard of. Or however you I was just thinking of it in terms of what it. am I interested in that people might not think I'd be interested in. So, oh, that's a good okay, question. Okay, so like time travel excites mm, me and I, I watch really, st- I mean, I watch the stupidest time travel television <laughs> shows like or what? science what fiction. It? What is it? Oh, like 300. Um, science huh? fiction. There's all kinds of science fiction. I, lo- I love Outlander. Okay. Oh, okay. Super cheesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. But a wide variety. I so it doesn't matter to me if it's historical or if mm-hmm. it's science fiction. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking when I was listening to your time travel mm-hmm. stuff, and you were talking about you, Jeff, were saying I don't want, I wouldn't want to go anywhere um, that was like really ugly or any time that's really ugly. You wouldn't want to have to be a part of something really ugly. And mm-hmm. I think about that as a woman. Mm-hmm. When am I going to go to? Right. Right. Oh, when am I going to go point. to? I, yeah, um, yeah. And so I, I always have these conversations with myself like, gee, I'd like to go here. Yeah. What would that really be yes. like? <laughs> um, so maybe Seneca Falls. Yeah. That yeah. might be fun, yeah. but only like events. Yeah. Um, but maybe I'd want to live during that time so I could be an abolitionist. You want to live or a suffragist? It? Yeah. I, but no, I don't. That's the thing. I don't. Yeah. And actually, I I had heart surgery when I was mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. So um, even though I loved historical fiction, right. I figured out when I was like eleven that I couldn't go back in time. Like I seriously think about these mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Can I do that? Mm-hmm. Well, no, because I would die. Right. Because the, heart, oh, the operation yeah, was only yeah, yeah. ten years old when I was born. You're so, thinking like go back in time as a being born and living in that era or just visiting even visiting i Butterfly mean you can't just Donna? if you're a woman <laughs> i know if you're a woman and you go back and visit yeah um the colonial era yeah your influence is is perhaps limited depending sure. on <laughs> depending on your age yeah. and how you handle things mm-hmm. but um you know it's it would it can be a really it could be a really mm-hmm. scary time but colonial america is one of the first places i thought of or times that i yeah. thought of so anyway, just but that in terms yeah. of representation, you're right. My um, wife always, you know, she's very traditional 
Um, and she's always like, I'd like to go back to like the 50s. I'm like, no, you would not. You would not I promise. And she's like, I know, I know I wouldn't. But, you know, just because of those traditional roles. She That's was, all on TV. That's she, not real. I know. <laughs> I wonder that, too. I was just thinking about that when you were talking about that. Is I wonder like how many, you know, a lot of times in these like uh, historical fiction stories or, or shows or, or movies even, you have like, I'm sure there were defiant roles or people obviously throughout history but they almost it almost comes off as like it's regular just because that's how you know you're you're showing a representation of something that is contemporary in a historical film and you're like how often did that really happen how often did i don't know say a wife in the south in you know during slavery stand up and for herself and represent herself in the way that a film might depict it today do you know um, what I'm saying? Mostly never. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but they show that like defiant wife and you're like, is that a reflection of today or is that just showing like, hey, this did happen sometimes? I think about stuff like that. Maybe a little of both. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Time travel would be the only way to ever know. Right. That And that's that's <laughs> yeah. why it's exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're time travelers I, I technically. Talk, well, talking about the like the colonial, the colonial period, mm-hmm. like it'd be interesting to see because we're taught you know, from grade school about how bad the British were and the colonists had no other, you know, had no other recourse but mm-hmm. to, you know, rise up and overthrow the, you know, the oppressive King George. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder, I would love to go back and actually see, like, how oppressive, like, the British really were and, like, oh. how bad, like, how bad, like, was it really necessary? Because I, there's, like, some historians I've been, like, and other um, social scientists I've been reading of are trying to depict, like, what would happen if the revolution had failed? Like how America would have progressed, and if we would have been able to have better social relations, like today with minorities and stuff, especially African Americans, oh. like with like Canada, mm-hmm. slowly, you know, slowly, because um, slave, slavery would have because if we yeah. stayed part of the empire, slavery would have ended a lot, lot earlier, but then it did in the United States. Right. So it's just inter- interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it also would be interesting in colonial America to get a sense of. Um, people's daily lives so i think we tend to think of the past as a sort of puritanical place Mm. and colonial america was anything but puritanical right right there was a lot of drinking yeah um there was a lot of uh illicit sex going on Mm -hmm. you know people weren't necessarily married right um there were times that depending on you know what your ethnic background was there were some places where you know like a young man might come and spend the night with his girlfriend for a long time before Mm -hmm. they got married Mm. um Mm. Yeah. So anyway, those are the kinds of questions that interest me. Yeah. In addition to democracy. Oh, definitely. I think you'll like this episode of To the Republic because we look at democratic norms. And that's something Jake and I constantly bring up on this podcast. But it was fun to kind of dive in deep a little bit with the research. And hopefully we did a good job. Well, I'm interested in listening to it. We'll for see. sure. All right, I'm gonna get to more fun questions. Okay. Not that this hasn't been fun. Jake looks bored, but I'm gonna I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna ask this bored. question directly to him. <laughs> uh, ask something that'll get Jake worked up. We can get worked up. Oh, together. here we go. Here <laughs> we go. Jake, what job would you be terrible at? What job would I be terrible at? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> anything that would involve public speaking, I think I'd be really. Why do you say that? I think I'd be a bad politician. I think I'd actually be a really bad politician. Hmm. I don't. I think a few practices you could kill it. Okay. I think if you got up there once or twice, oh, and I'm like, way too much in my head, man. 
What do you if mean? You're gonna, but if you get a PhD, you'll you'll have to if overcome the, yeah. that <laughs> yeah, and do it anyway, and then it becomes uh, a little bit easier. Believe it or not, I used to get vertigo when I had to speak in front really? of people oh, in front of my class. Yeah. Like at WSU, mm-hmm. I can remember standing there dizzy and, and having all the words leave my mind. Oh, my gosh. I got more That's comfortable terrifying. through college doing it over mm-hmm. and over and over and over. But you're if you and also if you get the Ph.D., hopefully you're an expert in whatever you're talking about. I did two presentations my entire time at WSU. Two? two. Yeah. What two. were they? Both for Wong's class. Are you the Chinese? The Chinese and then, and then the 469. That was it. Wow. Yeah. I had the 111 students do presentations last time. Oh, yeah, Yeah. we missed that. We didn't have to do that. Yeah, well, I should have done it. It was actually really great because it it pushed people to (laughs) no because it pushed people. It was a a huge class. class. It was like the last three classes, but Mm -hmm. we did um, recent American history, which Steve Fountain always did, Mm -hmm. and so there were topics that they could choose from, and they worked in like chronological periods, Mm -hmm. but from 1990 up through 2015. Mm. So they had to really grapple with things. And I had to give them feedback, like you can't use Dinesh D'Souza as your main source, <laughs> um, things did, like that. Did someone try to use yep. him? Oh yep. my lord! Yep. I don't know who that is. Yeah. He wrote um, oh. Obama's America, 2016 Obama's America, where he tried to prove that Obama was from Kenya. Uh, oh, he okay. calls himself a historian. He actually, yes. it's funny. I follow I him, I so I follow face. Kevin Cruz, who is a Harvard historian on Twitter mm-hmm. and Dinesh D'Souza hates Kevin Cruz because Kevin Cruz constantly takes him down. I love that. And so, uh, yeah, I know I don't follow Dinesh cause I'm like, I don't follow Trump. I can just go look. Yeah. If I want to know what he's saying, I go what? look. I just, I don't want to give him the numbers. You gotta follow him. I don't want to give him the numbers. Have you seen My the data? number matters. <laughs> Have you seen the data from Twitter and the divide in, in who follows who? It's terrifying because you have all these people on the right and left. And I've saw this like line data chart and there's literally like a spider web of people who follow this side and people who follow this side. And there's no middle ground. There's some people, there's a couple of people who I've had interactions with who um, are definitely not, don't lean the same way as Mm -hmm. I do, but we've actually been able to have some decent Twitter interactions on Twitter on Twitter. And I follow fascinating. uh, How? Well, (laughs) so, well, actually, um, some of it's around political stuff, not very many, but there's a couple. And if I, if I come across somebody like that, Mm -hmm. I will follow them. And I realized there was this conservative guy, um, who's a Jamie Herrera Butler supporter and Mm -hmm. I'm not. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I realized he was following me. So now I'm following him because Mm -hmm. I want to know, I want to be able to have, you know, it's hard to have conversations on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter's a, I used to try more. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Um, but I mean, I'm, I get not giving him the numbers, but I just like following people that are extreme. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I love don't. It. I, I can't. I'll my see. heart couldn't take it. Me you either. have to. No, you, you don't. can't because you're diving into the comments. <laughs> well, I try. The comment crusader. I try to have. I try to think if I could, if I bring a civil discussion to this person, not on Twitter, that it could that it could elicit a decent conversation where both him and I, both that person and I mm-hmm. can leave and feel better about the situation. Right. Maybe, maybe have our minds changed. Nope. It's an, no I, way. I, found I do the like same thing, years, Jake. And you're, you must be an idealist. Yeah. Yeah, bit. me too. And so I, see both I try this comments. and I try it and I try it. And then I think, why am I doing this? <laughs> I'm thinking that Stop. while I'm watching both of you, like everybody's thinking that while they're watching this. <laughs> this. Nobody's changing their mind. I was told recently that I, that I have very, uh, very measured responses. Mm-hmm. So that made me happy there because are, I'm practicing. There are sometimes, when somebody will say something back to you and I'm like and then I'll read your response and I was like I would have ripped their head off like I don't know how you just kept it 
composed and cool, obviously. I'm practicing. You're practicing. I am practicing because my, my, when I first decided to when I first decided to run for office, mm-hmm. um, I'm on the Washougal School Board. Right. So when I first decided to run for office, my brother said, "Are you kidding? <laughs> There's no way you can be a politician because you have such a big mouth." Right. Right. And I couldn't. And it's true. It's true. I do. I'm very passionate about things, and um, it's been. A real challenge sometimes, right. um, but I and not. I mean, school board is a different kind. For of, sure, it's a different kind of experience because it's nonpartisan, first of all, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But I'm also engaged in other political activities. Right. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm. An, I feel like I'm an advocate for mm-hmm. certain things. Mm-hmm. So. But I think that that practice and that ability to maneuver through maybe even sometimes a hostile comment feed, if you will, um, that. I mean, we could argue that that makes, you know, morally you're you're taking the high road. But also it makes any individual who's doing that tr- constructing a better argument back mm-hmm. just more constructive. But also, you know, it makes you better, better at arguing or, or having that conversation instead of if you get attacked or what would, uh on our Instagram, Jake got into some with someone and they started like making just these blatant attacks at Jake. And Jake was like. Okay, well, instead of just attacking me, let's have a conversation. I think that if you're practicing that um, that response, because I know for me, I get pissed real quick. So if somebody's attacking me, I just want to be like, because I I can I can make someone feel real small if I wanted to. <laughs> so I, I I I don't ever do name calling. No, no, I know, but I admire or the like, ability for both of you actually to navigate through people getting emotional. Or getting name calling and and you guys constantly staying on topic and then sometimes I mean like I said when I see your responses back I'm like they they can't even comprehend or fathom how hard they just got owned by you guys <laughs> they like made they like resulted to calling you guys names and you guys just kept it so chill and just brought the facts I'm like they just got destroyed. Well, I think that's, that's more for the other people who are actually reading the yes. comments right mm-hmm. so yes. if you have a certain it also pushes me, like me to clarify my argument yes, right exactly so if i'm pushed to clarify my argument then i'm clarifying it for other people also right. and they can agree or disagree yeah. and that's fine mm-hmm. but they might get new information people who are receptive to yes it. that's a great and point. so that's that's part of the reason that i'll sometimes engage but mm-hmm. at other times i i just think you know you don't hear what's going on behind this oh yeah <laughs> just a cursing at the screen but then mm-hmm. just elegant eloquent words just or the day-long conversation with some person you don't even know and i think why am i doing this yeah (laughs) you get to that point halfway through something like halfway through like a two-paragraph response Mm -hmm. you're just like i'm done i just delete it all well that's what you said even with uh on our social media like you were like should i just delete it and i was like no i have your back in this keep it up because you don't know who's going to read it uh, you have no idea how bad like i think that's the reason why i'm a, i would be a terrible politician mm-hmm. i get way too um i don't act i don't out, out, outwardly act offended mm-hmm. when people not I, so if someone were to critique me in a, in a professional setting mm-hmm. like th- I, it's a, and it's a constructive critique yes but just the the call like the, the, the guy in our in, in our instagram yeah. my instagram back and forth with that guy yeah um him saying that i was purposefully like manipulating mm-hmm. his words like that hurt me to my core. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. that is such a that was like calling out my like my legitimacy. Yes. As a person. Yes. Like that I, I couldn't do it. I could I don't know how like <laughs> President Obama was able to keep his cool when people were saying he wasn't born in the United States. Like yeah. how does like 
Right. How do you go about like how I couldn't do it? Yeah. Like I could not take That's those. That's probably true. I think you have to um recognize that you're just going to not pay any attention to negative comments. I mean, I haven't I'm not I haven't run for anything besides yeah. school board. So yeah. that was a little different. And I only had one person who said some negative things and it and it did kind of I was like, this is funny. That's amazing. Like listen to this. Well, it was actually so I, would I love that. I was running against <laughs> somebody and so his father-in-law has um a an auto place in Washougal. And so he wrote this, <gasps> this editorial in the, it's called Riverwalk. Okay. Um, it's a local newspaper. Okay. It's a free, it's a free paper. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote this editorial that said, um, you know, who goes out and gets signs and puts them up to run for school board? And I was like, someone who wants to win? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Somebody who wants to win and cares. Somebody who, and yeah, yeah, and cares. And, and actually, uh, That's th- amazing. I wish I hadn't had to run against that person because right. he was a really good guy and he was actually a teacher. So, right. <laughs> um, but right. but that's that's what I had to do. But yeah. I, So I've been actually, I've thought a lot about that because the last thing, the last job I would have ever wanted was to mm-hmm. be a politician. But I am mm-hmm. thinking about going, doing other things. We'll mm-hmm. see what. I'm sure you um, will. And that's part of the reason that um, that I got started, but I right, actually love right. the school board work. Do you? That's great. Mm-hmm. So, what job would you be terrible at? Um, so, I was thinking that w- that was actually easy. Uh-huh. The very first thing that came to my mind is sales. My Ugh. children, my children are are salespeople. Yeah, two of them. Yeah, one of them is not. Yeah. Um, but my my two youngest, both mm-hmm. of them are in sales, and and my daughter is well. Both of them, they went to work for Vitamix and had like top numbers nationwide. Wow, wow. Um, they're both really sharp. They love it. I have always hated sales. So this is the thing that I ran into when I was thinking about this question. I wondered, I'm wondering if you feel this way. <laughs> but how do you not think about something like sales? Like, oh, I would be terrible at it. But then immediately go, maybe I could crush it. That's Never. exactly. <laughs> well, I, then I'm like, wait, being a teacher is kind of in sa- being in sales, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? So, I That's mean. That's what I'm saying. You start putting things together. You're like, well, I kind of do this and I kind of do that. Maybe I could do it. You yeah. don't think that way? I don't want to. <laughs> I know. I already know. That's like, like I the worked, typing. You're like, nope. Nope. I don't want to know. I worked in um, for like, I don't know, less than a week mm-hmm. at a Sears when I mm-hmm. was high school age. Mm-hmm. And they had me hanging up clothing in the back room and I hated it. I was a waitress. I loved it. And I liked it because I dealt with people. Right. I was moving fast. I had was like multitasking because right. I'm all over the place. Yeah. And so multitasking is good for me. Um, sales could be good. My my daughter does these Vitamix talks, mm-hmm. um, and she gets people to buy these mm-hmm. two hundred and seventy nine dollar machines wow. um, by making juice for them right. and telling them how good it is for them. And she believes it. That's the thing. Yeah, she does believe sure. what she's doing. Um, that that's another thing. You'd have to believe in what you're selling. I so couldn't yeah. do some it. Some people can do it. I know. I'm sure there are it. some people, but. She's good at pressuring people, too, though. This is what I know about her. She's really good at getting people to do things they don't want to do. <laughs> right. And that's the part that I'm not good at. Yeah, me neither. I'll be like, do you want to? No. All right. Yeah. I'll just walk away. <laughs> I don't I don't want to have to do. I would never yeah. want to have to do that. Sales um, in a in commission environment would be the worst. Ugh. Like where you're competing against your coworkers. Yeah. That would be terrible. Yeah. yeah. So when I was just interviewing i thought maybe marketing would be a way into like public relations so i went and did like four or five interviews with like some marketing firms but they were like smaller like startup ones um and as soon as i walked into the first one i was like i don't want this job but i'm gonna go in there and own it like i do every single one offered me a job and i turned every wow. single one down but it was just like it was commission and I was just like, they're like, we'll pay you $12 an hour, but you make that up 
extra money in commission. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But it was great practice for interviews and confidence builder because they all offered it to me. But my answer, what were you going to say? I was going to say the next job that I thought of yeah. was, oh, wait, what I would have thought of before, mm-hmm. politician. Mm. I would have never thought, right. never. My mother used to tell me that I should run for office. And I'd say, mm-hmm. no way, yeah. never. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. But, um, so yeah, yeah. I'm going to, if I do it, I'll just have to crush it. For sure. My mom always tell, told me when I was a kid, I think like a lawyer would be, I'd be good at. Which I know I would be good at, but that just seems like a whole thing. It is um, a whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. That's not, a, that's not an yeah. easy thing either. No. 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 Um, my job is, uh, that I would be terrible at, is, I don't know, I'm sure you know this. Maybe, I think I've told you, I don't know if you know this, Donna, but I hate repeating myself to adults. <laughs> like, I have patience with kids, and I'll, if they ask me a million times, like, why, why, why? Why? I could go all day. I love that game. I could come up with a million reasons why. But like with adults, I have zero patience. <laughs> and it's it's a problem that I have. I know that. Um, but I don't know if I'm sure. I don't know if you remember, Jake. Uh, did you ever like go to like the pharmacy at the doctors or whatever? And they would like call your name out? Or like the DMV when they call your name out? I would hate that job. Because they're just sitting there repeating the same thing oh, yeah. over and over. I'd be like, okay, I've said your name nine times. I know you're sitting there. I would just, I'd lose it. That's a job I would just get so pissed at. Yeah, that one would be tough. Can you I, imagine? I applied for a do- job with the DMV, so. Did you? They never heard back. Oh, but now <laughs> at the pharmacies, like, they have a, a robot that just says the, the number. Yeah. Oh, I, was just, I, I could click that button all day, and I would. But saying it? There's something about saying it. I just can't do it. Hmm. It drives me crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, what skill would you like to master, Donna? Oh, um, that's pretty easy. The first one that came to mind was I would want to learn Italian. And then okay. the second was is I want to learn ASL. And it comes mm. from interviewing David. Right, I've learned right. a lot about deaf culture from him. Right. And it's um, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I want to be a better... Uh, deaf advocate mm-hmm. when it's possible Absolutely. and that really takes getting to know the mm-hmm. the community and the language and there was a lot of things that he brought up as far as like considerations or accommodations that i never even considered things that these people deal with every single day and nobody thinks about right it was crazy it was it was great being there and listening to that um it's interesting that you say languages because that's what i chose uh, i'd like to master spanish and i'm going to kind of modifying also because I do want to learn sign language. I was at working at Target for like a long time when I was like 18. And I had this interaction with this deaf customer and I we could barely get through helping them and that frustrated me. I wanted to be able to help them. So that's that always kind of interested me is learning sign language. Um but also I put uh I want to master working out. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to do things that I'm not good at, but if I was a master at it, I would do it all the time. Hmm, how do you become a master at such a thing? I don't know. If working out was basketball all the time, which is the only way I really do work out, then I could be the master at that. But I know it's cyclical, but I'm lazy. <laughs> Jake, what's your answer? My w- my answer would be to make complex, like be able to sit, be able to convey complex things in a meme form in in a no in a concise <laughs> manner yeah <laughs> well, meme form dude i think oh, I, I hate memes <laughs> i hate memes we too. do too i mean but i kind of love them but, but i kind of hate, hate them they're yeah. not cited what good is a oh. meme if it's if, if memes were cited mm-hmm. 
My friend posted a meme the other day, and it had all the citations at the bottom, and I was I was okay. Like, now that's a kind that's a meme I could get behind. I was like, I dig those citations. I felt like such a nerd saying it, but it was true. Yeah, but or, are you thinking what 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 me, uh, medium are you thinking? Not like an just in a, conversational? conversationally, huh? I mean, you do a podcast where it's the point is to have long form conversation, sure, with but nuances. When, when, and when I'm sitting there ideas. with somebody who's talking about how much they love Trump's foreign policy, uh-huh. specifically trade deals, yeah. like his tearing up of trade deals, his mm-hmm. unilateral tearing up of trade deals. I want to be able to say something that concisely destroys some, but destroys oh. that point without having to get into the conceptual nature of free trade. Right, and right. That's oh. changed I over don't even time think that's and why that's, po- why it's in, why it's, you know, <laughs> I just would like to be able to say that in a concise manner. Right. I get way too long winded because I want to start talking about his the historical For background sure. of it. And then I want to talk about it from like different theoretical concepts and international relations. I can't. But be that conci- stuff is important. I can't be concise. But nobody wants to listen to it. Jeff. That's true. That's why that's why you're you probably will get a PhD because that's pretty much the only thing you can do with that great skill. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good long, point. The skill of being long winded. Yeah. 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 I would like that, too. Yeah. Just meme. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's essentially coming in meme form. But if you had one or two, maybe one sentence to just make your point, mm-hmm. just sometimes you do that. Some people are really good at it, though. Some people are just really, uh, really like ex- like real experts in like in fields. But when you're talking really about something as complex as trade agreements and international relations, okay, I don't. Maybe that's not <laughs> the best. I- maybe that's not the best example. But. I would like to be able to be more concise. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. okay. I'll just put period. Just be more concise. No, add Me more. Too. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you're talking about. That's so funny. Um, oh, this is a fun one. What hobby would you get into if time and money weren't an issue, Jake? What hobby? Yeah. If time and money, uh, foreign language. Be able to speak. Oh, okay, language. okay. I mean, I think yeah. Just want, get one of those little oh, audio programs. Duolingo. A lingo? Does that Duo, work? Duolingo. Duolingo. My granddaughter did it for a day or two because she, she speaks Spanish yeah. a little bit. She spoke Spanish when she was really little, mm-hmm. and she hasn't been around her mm-hmm. abuela for a long mm-hmm. time. So she thought, well, I'm going to do that. But then I was away from her with my right. phone, so she couldn't do it. But um, it was it was a good way to kind of get her started. It's I a little to app. It. It's fun. Yeah. It's got, like, games and stuff. And okay. I'm such a gamer that, like, anything that's put into, like, a competitive form it pushes me to okay. to excel in that. So just that is a good yeah. app. If I yeah. want to go anywhere, like for sure. I feel I want to go, I do need to speak another language. The other thing would be uh, I want to play like play a different instrument other than saxophone. Mm. I like to play like, a guitar or something mm. like that. Yeah. Violin. Viol- I love the violin. Have you Are ever listened to like on YouTube some of the covers that do people do with like violins and covers Mm-mm. of popular songs with violins? It's, dude, it's amazing. Violin's too high. I like like the viola. Okay. A little lower. Not too low, but a little lower. Nermi would make fun of you. I don't. He's always posting memes, making fun of people who pay, play violas. I don't get oh, it because I'm not an, or- an orchestra, yeah. but I laugh a little bit because yeah. it's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Connor. Yeah, I haven't seen him for in sure. forever. Um, I put archery. Archery. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know why. I don't like guns, probably, but I want to shoot things. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that That's makes complete sense. Yeah, I just want to. I, I think it's such a. I don't know. It seems a little like classy. I don't know. Then you can go back to the 16th century. Yeah. Because everyone I know who like is gung-ho is trashy. Gung-ho is trashy. (laughs) 
<laughs> are you are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I want to do archery. I just think it looks cool. It'd be fun to do. But it's probably expensive. It is expensive. Yeah, you have all the sports gear. Well, people would, like, it depends on what kind of archery. I don't know. You want to get in, like, classical. Yeah, long, even classical. Longbow. Long yeah. Okay. That'd be fun. I think it's because, like, I think about, like, Boy Scouts when I was younger. I used to do that. Yeah. And that was fun. But I like BB guns, too, when we were shooting those. I don't know. I did just like shooting things, maybe. Did you ever get in the Boy Scouts and you shot, like, the 22s and stuff? Yeah, right, dude. I dropped out. I was done at, like, Weeblow. Oh, okay. Never. Been. Oh, I think we've talked about this. Yeah. Getting at the Boy Scouts. Wait, how, did you go to Boy Scouts? Yeah. Of course I'd, you did. I dropped out in Boy Scouts. Oh. Because I realized, like, I was doing more stuff in the outdoors on the weekends I was supposed to be with them, like, oh. with my dad, than I was actually doing in the Boy Scouts. Wasn't so was just like, organized well? Well, no, I was just, I wanted to go hunting or fishing, and mm -hmm. they were camping doing nature hikes and Tying for me knots. that was just boring in high school so i just that's funny anyway um i think we're on the last question i put this one in do you want to hear my my hobby? oh did i skip that mm -hmm. oh what's your hobby <laughs> sorry come on host sorry actually, what, actually, you're a host too um, <laughs> when i was in high school i would uh -huh. fill out a job application it would say what are your hobbies i thought you were gonna say filling out job applications <laughs> <laughs> I feel Seems like, like, I feel right like now. yeah, that's my <laughs> that's hobby, hobby for sure. Um, no, I, I would always put reading and talking because I didn't have time for hobbies. I worked in high school mm -hmm. and I went to school. So hobbies are not something I really have thought a lot about. Okay. I had my first child and I was 20. Right. And never had. I was, you know, like an army wife. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't right. go skiing. We didn't do things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I've always loved horseback riding. So mm. I've, I've actually sp taken some horseback riding lessons mm -hmm. recently, which is something I had a horse when I was 12 for right. a little while. We have three um, horses at our house. You do? Yeah. Do you ride? Hell no. I don't trust those freaky ass animals. Why are they at your house if you don't ride? Because they're my mother-in-law's. Does she ride? Oh, yeah. Like a lot. Okay. So like, I would come crazy. be friends with your mother-in-law yeah, because sure. I, I love horses. She would love, if you want to come ride, she'll come and let you ride. Yeah. She, I'm 100% serious. She loves riding. She loves having people ride. I like looking at those freaky-ass animals, but I am not riding them. I, I love horses. I think I got scared when I was a kid, and ever since then, I don't trust that crazy-ass dog. I grew up I grew up around them. My grandparents had yeah. them on Richfield, and then one took off on me, and my dad never let me get one on again, get on one again, because oh. we were trail riding, and he just like took off. It took him like a mile from to finally stop. But what about how do you feel about riding them after that? I would ride them again, but I just never. They moved to North Dakota, and yeah. then so I never really got an opportunity again. Yeah. Yeah, I rode when I was a kid, and I never had any lessons or anything like that. Like the concept of lessons, my mm -hmm. grandpa taught me how to get on the horse. Right. Mm. And that's kind of, he also taught me how to drive a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, the, yeah. but it's, so it's it's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. I, if, um, if I could afford it, I would have five acres and a horse. That's so much work. I know. I see the My work. dad has horses. He doesn't ride them. They're just his babies. See, that's cool. I could do that. They're like dogs in that sense. I Except was, that's all he does. Is yeah. His whole life is organized around the horses. Yeah. That's what happens when yeah. you have freaking horses. My mother-in-law, she works so much on those horses, it stresses me out. I'm like, just sit down and relax. But they're awesome. They are. Go but snuggle with the horse for a while if you're I'll stressed snuggle. out. I'll snuggle and I'll <laughs> love, but I'm not riding one. I was sitting out there. Uh, we were Her and I were fixing a fence post along the, the property. And all of a sudden, this one of her horses, DJ, he comes bolting, like running right at us. And I was like, what is he doing? And he like stopped and almost like a dog and just was like, huh, huh, like juking the other horse. And then they were just chasing each other around. And I was like, I'd never seen that before. I was like, 
Yeah, they play. Yeah, like dogs. It was yeah. crazy. Giant ass animals. They groom each other too. Have you ever yeah, seen them groom that. each other? That's pretty cute. Yeah, they're always nug- snuggling. But then this new one, he's a little asshole. He's always biting everybody. I'm like, these these animals are terrifying. I'm not about that. One time he got his leg cut and was bleeding all over the place. Ooh, that's bad. Yeah, they're expensive as hell. Yeah, they're expensive. But well, that's why the question the, is, yeah, the question no, is money. no money or time. <laughs> you know, considerations. Cool. And I've tried to broach this with Bud, but he says that's not his dream. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare. I think that might be how he feels about <laughs> it. I've also thought about playing, the, learning to play the piano. I don't play an instrument oh, at I all. Wish. And so, And I always thought I was not artistic. Mm-hmm. Um, or creative, mm-hmm. and I'm actually far more creative than I thought I was. For sure, but Everyone it comes out in different be. ways. Yeah. yeah, so so that's something I've got on my list, mm-hmm. and I might even do painting at some point. Mm. Painting could be tight, but Maybe. I'm down with the piano idea. Isn't the aren't the keys to like a saxophone similar to piano? Mm-mm. Are you sure? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure in the order there's some some way similar. Are they? I think so. I don't know. I've never Maybe it's clarinet. Because I remember when I was a kid. My mom had like this box of like her past and I do the same thing. I think because I had so much fun going through her knickknacks and her history, finding her old poetry and like that just encouraged me to do that stuff when I was older. Um, But she had like an old clarinet and she had old sheet music and I was kind of learning through elementary school how to read it on a very basic level. But I would like take a little keyboard and just find the note and then play the music with the sheet. And then I picked up the clarinet and matched the clarinet notes similar to the piano so that I was learning all three, basically. Hmm. So I'm, I'm, that's why I think they're the same, but I could be completely wrong. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I want to see you play, Jeff. I saw you post pictures of mm-hmm. yourself in your band. Yeah, we sure. Are you going to play? I want to, I'll come see you. Oh, I'm not like playing like a show. I'm thinking about like just recording. Well, as soon as I posted that, every guy I was in a band with was like, let's do it. And I'm like, that's so much time. My wife was like, you don't have time for that. And I'm like, I know. Now I don't. with like three, two and three podcasts yeah. and job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and a full time job. Yeah. yeah that's um, all of that stuff. But. We might do it. I don't know. I know. So my old guitar player is getting married and he wants us to play at his wedding. So him with the singer and me, um, which would be easy just to do a little acoustic set. We're talking about maybe just doing an acoustic set, which would be easy and fun. But we're all fat and old now. So it'd be kind of funny. <laughs> but we'll see. I don't know. Um, last question. Jake. Sorry for skipping you last time, Donna. It won't happen again. Okay. I'll start with you. Actually, okay, not with you, Jake. I'm starting with Donna. So oh, I don't forget. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Who's your go to band or artist when you can't decide on something to listen to? Okay, this is I don't funny. have any idea of your music taste, but I'm gonna judge you. I know you are, okay. and, and so <laughs> I was just listening to your last podcast, uh-huh. and one of the bands that came to mind for me uh-huh. was Nirvana. Oh, <laughs> God. And then I heard you say, and I was like, that's funny. I have to yeah. tell him. I, I actually don't really have a go-to band. When I was mm-hmm. younger, I listened to things like, I like classic rock. Okay. So I'll put Pandora on with, mm-hmm. with classic rock. Um, if I just want to like clean house and be happy, I put Feral on. I put the song Happy on and mm-hmm. I sing. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. I, so I don't, I'm not really into music in the mm. same way that you guys are. Like right. I know songs. I listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, I'd know the songs. Right. I didn't care who played them. Oh. I'm one of those people. Okay. And which is kind of funny because when it comes under, to authors. I can't even put my hand, head around I know. That. My brothers <laughs> used to like to play. Like My brothers would sit around and they'd like quiz each other on, I do on information yes. about rap bands. I and do that. Then they'd think it was funny to try to ask me questions yep. and say i don't care that's me 
I just like the song. And then laugh song. at you when you don't have any idea. Yep, yeah, that's so totally me. You could really crush me on that. <laughs> that's no so question. Funny. I um, love that. Yeah, and so like I like some contemporary stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like chick stuff. Like I like Lady Gaga. Mm. I liked Lord. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I like Lord too. Yeah. She does. She does a cover of "Everybody Wants to Rule the World." Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. Weezer just did one. Um, of the same, yeah, they did, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, they have a whole cover album. Weezer's is really close to the original. They did it with all their covers, yeah. super as close as possible. It was awesome. Yeah, they did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Africa, I love Toto by Africa. So yeah. I was, I was eh, they can't hit the high notes like oh Toto no, can. No, 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 so no, no. that that fell a little flat. Yeah, um, I, I love their um, take on me by Aha. Mm-hmm. They did a really good mm-hmm. job with. They that. They did Scrubs by TLC. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> Such good yeah, ones. See, I'm, I'm, I don't even know what you're talking about. You don't know Weezer? Oh, well, no, I know, I know that Weezer exists. Oh, okay. I, that's all. <laughs> that's all I know. No, no. The other funny, funny response I had is when I am gonna just like do stuff in my house. Mm-hmm. I just turn on your podcast. Oh. I don't listen. I it's. I mean, I, I do love music, and I listen to NPR when I'm driving down oh. the street. Mm. But if I'm not, that. I did turn on 97.1 mm-hmm. the other day when I was driving back from the airport because I took my daughter at 4:15 in the air in the morning, mm-hmm. and I didn't have coffee, and I thought I don't want to think, so I listened to music then. Yeah, my mom always listened to like doo wop in like 50s and 60s, so I, I like I like that a too. Lot That's of yeah. old stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about I like old stuff? What about karaoke? Um, I have one song that I uh-huh, sing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everyone does. Everyone has their own song, yeah. And my husband, after I did it on a cruise ship, uh-huh. I was like, so what number do you think I am? For what? For like like one through 10. How okay. did I do? 11? Oh, no. He told me four. <laughs> <laughs> He's I a very that. honest guy. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it's an honest number. And I was like, I was like, but I love singing that song. I sang it to my kids every mm-hmm. night. It's Cats in the Cradle. And I sing it oh. wrong. I have my own version of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I sang that to awesome. my kids every night. I, I would sing to them every night, apparently at a four. Well, <laughs> it's probably a four because you're putting everyone else to sleep. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Singing that song is slow, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. a good song. Yeah. It's I'm not awesome saying it's song. not a good song, but who sings, karaoke who sings that? that again? It was Harry Chapin. Oh, okay. Man. Jake, go to artists or... And I'm assuming you've never sang karaoke. Never have. Give me a k- song that you were like, that's the song I'd karaoke, and you give me your go-to <laughs> artist. Oh, my gosh. Okay, my go-to <laughs> artist is Def Leppard. Uh, listen. What? I listen to all. I did not know that. Really? Oh, dude, I've, I, I've been to three Def Leppard concerts. Really? Yeah. I would love to just see you jamming out in a car or, something, <laughs> or around the house. That's my go-to artist. Uh-huh. Um if I have to like just do one, right? But I listen to so many other. Give things. me my multiples. Like, like I was listening, like I listen to a lot of Buddy Holly too. So okay, I oh. like Buddy Holly. Yeah, well, you listen to a lot of country though too, don't you? Don't yeah, you that have, would like... be my karaoke song. Okay, would be "Friends in Low Places" by Garth Brooks. Oh, that's amazing! I want to see you sing it. Nope. Why? I never will. <laughs> uh, come on. Karaoke's super fun, Jake. I hear it. It looks like it's fun. I saw Jess' video of it. I mean, you need liquid courage to get up there and do that. <laughs> that makes it even more fun. Yes. Um, so I, three artists, I put three artists, but it's Blink-182, Queen, and The Used are three that I'll put okay. on. But Queen is like, I love them I, so I, much. I dig Queen. They're amazing. They're so amazing. Did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? No. It's amazing. Not yet. Oh, but I wanted to tell you guys, I went and saw They Shall Not Grow I was Old ask because you. of you guys. I was going to oh, ask you. Okay. I told my husband we have to go see that movie. I was going to ask you. And, and yeah, it was amazing. It the was oral just amazing. Histories? Yes, the oral Are histories. Are you kidding? I was like, Jake, I have the credit. How did we not start with this? I don't know. I was thinking about <laughs> it the whole time. Um, but I was at the end of the movie, I'm like, man, I w- 
you think those were oral histories? And it was like, thanks to everyone who was who collected the oral history. And I looked at Jake because it immediately answered my question. It was so annoying. But that movie was incredible. So sad. Yeah. So sad. Yeah. There were two moments that really struck me mm-hmm. in the movie with the video footage. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them was the um, there was the guy who talked about having to shoot one of his um, fellow yes, soldiers. Yes, yes. Because the guy was going to die mm-hmm. and he was in pain mm-hmm. and, and like and he broke he was kind of his voice was breaking. Right. And that was just heart wrenching. Yeah. And then the other one was when the. Um, these men were walking toward like toward the hospital and there was a guy who was like shaking. He was just yes, shaking. Yes, yeah. Um, and you yeah. can see he was traumatized. Mm-hmm. He was either physical. You couldn't tell if it was physical or mental. Right. 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 But he was just so traumatized mm-hmm. that he was outside of himself. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. The the and including like the added sound effects to the to that footage. You can hear the breathing of that guy. Obviously, that's not his real breathing, but it's even just putting it in there makes it so real and i think that that's we were talking a little bit earlier about like kind of viewing history as puritanical or or mm-hmm. a certain way when you look at and i've said i said that on that episode we talked about it but when you look at this old footage it seems like almost unreal or too distant to be to be real but that movie the moment it phases into color you're just like Oh shit! Like this is real. The mud. Yeah, the mud. The mud yes. and the filth. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, I'm glad How you, do you live saw like it? that. Yeah. So thanks, you guys. Yeah. I mean, no. I listened to you the other day, and then I was like, we have to go see yeah. that. So we found out where it was playing and went and saw it Saturday night. It's limited. I've been yeah. telling everybody go now if you're interested. There weren't because... enough people in the theater either. Yeah. Everyone should be. Everyone should see it. Yep. But I'll. You know what? If I can get a hold of it mm-hmm. and I teach, if I teach U.S. history again, yeah. I will use that movie. Yeah, it was so good. The oral There'll be clips on YouTube. Great. I don't want clips on YouTube. I think YouTube. they're going to release it to purchase. They freaking better. And everybody better go buy it. Yeah. Like you were saying at, din- at lunch afterwards, how important it is. And people just yeah. overlooked it or I guess not many people saw it, which bums me out. But whatever. Because they need to know what war is really like. Yeah. This is why I didn't yeah. bring it up. You get all sad about it, Jake. Well, <laughs> it is sad. Well, people also need to understand, like, I think Peter Jackson, I think I said this on the podcast mm-hmm. we talked, the episode we talked about it, but just how important, how people need to know, like, what are the social forces that, like, lead to this, mm-hmm. right? It's just, and war is a man made, you know, invention. Right. So, well, and oh my God, I could talk to you guys forever <laughs> because you talked about war one time and I had a lot to say. Yeah. I'm going to refrain. Because it's getting kind of late. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna but, finish up here in a but second. There's there's stuff to talk about right. mm-hmm. the, with the anthropology of war too. Yeah. Fascinating. Hate Sorry, it. I didn't mean to. No, you're you, good. But I mean, that's like Dr. Lopez's um, political psychology stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the um, that was my favorite class I ever took was right. uh, psychology of war. But even that point you're making about Peter Jackson is like it's not necessarily film about what led to the war, but it's showing you the consequences of war. And so today and historically. Um, people can talk about, oh, this might lead to a war, that might lead to a war. But what this film does is show what war entails. Well, that, but the whole beginning of the movie was talking about like the social forces, like that were underpinning. Yeah. Oh, the recru- right, right, the recru- right, right. Like, these boys Motives. just yeah. going and recruiting, and it's like, well, that all of that was you know driven from ultra nationalism yes. that had been propaganda yeah, because of because of empire. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. All right, and the last thing is my go-to karaoke song. Okay, so I've only sang karaoke twice. The first time I sang it, I was 
blacked out drunk and I was at a Mexican restaurant and I sang Bohemian Rhapsody with two of my friends. Nobody was into it. Nobody cared, but I was too drunk to care too. Second time I sang karaoke was Saturday and it was my best friend's birthday and we were at the bar and we were, I was just putting songs on the jukebox, mostly like Backstreet Boys. Uh, cause it's funny to put that stuff on. I love Backstreet Boys, but it's funny to put it on in like a dive bar setting. Cause people are like, what the hell? <laughs> um, so then we were like kind of singing along and I was like, let's go to karaoke cause liquid courage. And then we went to this, it was a karaoke bar and my buddy was like, I'm putting our name in same friends for Bohemian Rhapsody. And I was like, okay, do it. Um, and then when we got up there, I was just like, everybody come up the whole bar came to the floor and as just a huge group we sang bohemian rhapsody wow it was awesome it was freaking awesome so that gets me wanting to do more karaoke but i think if i were to do it by myself i would sing santeria by sublime okay yeah what i like that song (laughs) judgy i was just listening to the other day no i wasn't judgy guys you completely Uh, misread that I would always sing along to it and play it on like rock band. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah. they have like the pitch thing, mm-hmm. so you can see how on pitch you were. That's pretty good at it, so I think I want to sing. I love karaoke. rock band. I like being the drummer. Oh God, I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at it, but yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. All right, Donna, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Anytime. Uh, congratulations to both of you on deciding your paths forward. Anything yeah. I can do to, you know, give you feedback or I'm going to have there. to talk to you about some things that I'm thinking about. I need your insight. All right. Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah. Anytime you want to come back. It's fun. And we can do a whole episode on war if you want. Mm. <laughs> I had a whole bunch of stuff to ask you about the upcoming elections, but but for the next episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah we didn't even talk. Yeah. yeah. You know, anytime. I, this, this is, is an easy neutral spot and we can all meet up here and do it. I again. find myself just wanting to like talk to you, like yeah. the war thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many times I've been like, oh my God, I want to weigh in on that. <laughs> I'll have to show you a podcast <laughs> meme. I'll post it too. It's one of my favorites about wanting to be involved in a conversation while you're listening. But we'll get to that. All right. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Remember to follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe, like, and please share to somebody. Somebody might enjoy us. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Do we want to re- release To the Republic as separate or are we going to... Jake, we'll talk about this later. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>